Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks, for the last few months we've been going through First Thessalonians and we've really been looking at the whole issue of living in uncertain times, having faith in uncertain times. And we've been progressing through all of First Thessalonians. And now we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up today. And I think it's only fitting that as we look at Paul's letter and as we look at the instructions that he's giving the Thessalonians and instructions that he's giving you and I that he's kind of wrapping it up and getting a focus where it needs to be because our tendency is to think that we're going it alone. And that has to do with our culture because we're in a a culture of rugged individualism. And that this Christian life that you're living is supposed to be you facing it on your own. Well, we've already seen as we've gone through Thessalonians, he's told us that we're a part of a church family. And that the family is there to help us to see us through these uncertain times. So he's going to focus on one other area today that I think is probably the most neglected area of our lives and the most misunderstood area of our lives. And that has to do with the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by misunderstood? Well, you know what? The reality is, is if you watch TV, sometimes you can get the assumption that the Holy Spirit is something that you experience, that you benefit from. That he's just something for you to enjoy. The Holy Spirit is so much more than that. The Holy Spirit's not just this force. He's not just this experience. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead who inhabits you, who's there for a purpose. And you and I need to grasp that. So we have that on one extreme where we, we exaggerate what he is and we look for him for so, what we can benefit from him. But then there's the other extreme which we sometimes get, get into and that is where we just flat out ignore him. We ignore his role and what role he has in our lives today. So Paul's going to wrap it up to help you and I understand that if we're going to live in these times of uncertainty, if we're going to have faith in these times of uncertainty, you and I need to grasp the reality of the Holy Spirit and what his role is in our lives and what he wants to do. So what we're going to do is, first of all, we're going to look at a promise. Here's what the promise is. All the way back in the Gospel of John. You don't need to turn there. You just need to listen to me. Listen to what Jesus said. He's in the upper room. In just a few short hours, he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be mocked, beaten, go through the trials that he will go through. Next day, will be crucified. And he's preparing his disciples, saying, I'm leaving you. I'm going away. But you don't need to worry. Listen to what he says, chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. The King James says, comforter. That... He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Here's a couple things I want you to see about the promise. Number one, recognize that you're not alone. You and I need to grasp this, because the reality is, is you're going to get hit from every side if you're just living in this world. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
you know, you, you think, okay, it's Sunday, tomorrow's Monday, some of you are going to go to work, and, and some of you got your agendas, you got school and everything, and you think, man, it's just going to be another week, nothing's going to happen, and boom! It's like the world just caves in on you, there's some kind of problem that's happening, and you didn't even ask for it. Or you got somebody who doesn't like what's going on, and you're being oppressed, and recognize you're also in a spiritual warfare where you've got an enemy who's out to get you, and it's like, what am I going to do? And it's like this concept of Christianity that we have in North America is, well, you just got to tough it out. You just got to tough it out. Emphasis on the you. Well, the reality is this. You weren't meant to go it alone. You're not alone. You've got to recognize that. As you face the stuff that you're facing, as God brings you through the difficulties that you face, He's the one who brings you through them, first of all. Do you understand that? He's the one who allows it to happen in your life in the first place. Understand that? He didn't leave you to go it alone. He's with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. When you accepted Jesus Christ, when you made that commitment to follow Him, when you recognized that Jesus Christ is God, that He's Lord, and He died for you, and you gave your life to follow Him, you reconciled with Him through Jesus Christ, His sacrifice, the Holy Spirit entered into your life. He's there with you. You've got to recognize you're not going it alone. And, but why do we say things like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this? Focus on the I, right? How am I going to get through this? All of that is is that we have this concept that we're going alone. But you got to recognize, you're not alone. Here's the second thing you got to recognize from the promise that we see that Jesus is making here. And that's this. The Holy Spirit will come alongside to guide you. He'll come alongside to guide you. The word helper there in John or comforter in the King James is from the Greek word which means parakletos or paraclete. The actual word meaning there is someone who comes alongside. That's where we get the term helper or someone who comes alongside to bring comfort. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come alongside of you to guide you. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because you don't know what's up ahead, do you? Surely nobody here knows what's happening this week in their life, right? You don't know what's coming. You need somebody to guide you through this life, right? You need someone to guide you through the messes that are going to happen. You need somebody to guide you through the difficulties and the struggles. You need someone to guide you. See, recognize that you're not alone. Recognize that the Holy Spirit is there to guide you through the stuff that you're going through. But see, here's the thing. You know, if we trivialize the Holy Spirit, and again, I told you, there's two ways to trivialize Him. One is, is we make Him into some sort of experience, or two, we just flat out ignore Him. We're missing out on His key role in our lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're missing out on what He's supposed to be doing. So now we come to 1 Thessalonians. And Paul's going to give us some instructions. And in the back of your mind, you need to understand what the role is. You're not alone. He comes alongside of you to guide you. And so now we get to the instructions. We get to verse 19, and we're going to look through verse 24, and he's going to tell us some things here that you and I need to understand. So look with me. Look at what he says there. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and who also will do it. All right, so we're going to see some instructions there. We're going to take this this section of verses divided into two sections. We're going to see, first of all, the instructions, verse 19 through 22. There's one key instruction, and then the instructions afterwards follow it. They're kind of tied to the first instruction. And then we're going to see the blessing that he gives. So let's look at the instructions. First one, you've heard it before. We've heard it, but we've kind of ignored it. We don't really understand what it means. We just know that we don't want to do it. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, verse 19, don't quench the Spirit. How many of you have heard that before? Don't quench the Spirit. We've all heard that. What does that mean, George? Because really we don't seem to understand it, especially if you're operating from one extreme to another. If you're operating from the extreme where it's an experience, the Holy Spirit's an experience, you think that quenching the Spirit means that you're going to quench the experience with Him. If you're operating from where you don't have any concept of the Holy Spirit, you're ignoring Him, it's just like, oh, that's an interesting command. What does it mean? It really doesn't mean anything. But there's actually something it does mean. And here's what it says. Don't restrain the Spirit's work in your life. Don't restrain the Spirit's work in your life. The word quench there actually means like to smother. You know what a smother is, right? You know, I like I like having campfires, and I like having my little fire thing in my backyard, and, and, and when the time is over, sometimes we let it burn out on its own, and sometimes I just take the water hose and try to just douse it and smother it out so that it doesn't what? Keep burning. The reality is, is whether you realize it or not, folks, you and I have a tendency, whether we realize it or not, we have a tendency to want to smother God's work in our life. The work of the Holy Spirit. He's working in your life. Do you understand? He's bringing you to a place where He's wanting to do a work in your life. And He's doing stuff, and you have a tendency, I have a tendency, the old self, the old flesh wants to keep the, because it's warring against the Spirit, it wants to keep the Spirit's work from happening in my life. We we, we don't want the Spirit to change us, because we kind of like the way we are, right? And have you noticed that when the Spirit does work in our life about the stuff that really shouldn't be there, we really don't like what He has to do to get our attention about it? So he's saying to us here, listen, you need to quit. Don't restrain the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So let me just go ahead and tell you right now, that commands for every one of us here, because that's our tendency. There's not a person here that doesn't struggle with that. What do you mean, George? Well, because the next three instructions are really tied to this one. What do you mean, George? Well, he's telling us here, look, if you look at verse 19, he's telling us, don't quench the Spirit. The next thing he says is, don't despise prophecies. What is that? I'll tell you, explain to you in a moment what it is. Then the next thing he says there is, look at verse 21, test all things, hold fast to what is good. And then right after that, he says, look at verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. See, to understand quenching the Spirit in your life, you need to understand three things that you and I need to definitely do Because if we don't do them, we're going to quench the Spirit. We're going to quench the Spirit. You're going to restrain the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And we're going to see them here. What's the first thing? What's the first thing? If I'm going to not restrain the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, what's the first thing 
that I need to do or don't do. Here's what it is. Look with me. Verse 20. Do not despise prophecies. Okay, now what does that mean, George? Prophecies? Prophecies, I think I have an understanding of that, George. Isn't that telling you what's going to happen in the future? So you mean I'm not to despise somebody who comes up and says to me, well, I got a word from God that this is going to happen to you in the future? No, that's not what it's talking about. See, if that's your concept of prophecy, you've got a minimal concept of prophecy. Because the concept of prophecy doesn't come from whatever our perspective of the New Testament is. Our concept of prophecy comes from the Old Testament and the role of the prophet. Because the prophet, when he came, wasn't just speaking to what was going to happen in the future to Israel. He was talking presently about what they were doing right now, and specifically what they were doing right now that was wrong and needed to change. And when it got to the future sense, he was saying to you, if you don't hear what I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen to you in the future. Prophecy had to do with the proclamation of God's truth. That's what prophecy is. Prophecy is the proclamation of God's truth. So what is he saying here? What am I not to do? Here's what he's saying here. Don't hold God's word for you with contempt. Don't hold God's word for you with contempt. Here, let me help you to understand that. So everybody recognize that there are several means of God's word getting into your life. Everybody recognize that? You read it. You can study it. You hear it. You're hearing it right now. You hear it on the radio. If you've got a Bible app and you're listening to the Bible, you hear it on the Bible app. You hear it in music. A lot of Christian music is based upon the Psalms. You hear it in music. You hear it continually. Or you read it. Or if you're reading the daily bread. There are many ways that God's word is being communicated to you. Now, through all of those methods of communication, God is speaking to you. God's word to you. Like, you know, I hear all the time, I'll preach a message, and I'll have several people during the week will come to me and say, Wow, you know, George, that was really good. God really spoke to me about this. The next person comes along. God, George, that was really good. God spoke to me about this. And the two of them weren't even talking about the same thing. And sometimes I've had them come and say to me, God was speaking to me about this. It had nothing to do with what I was talking about. Did you understand what I'm saying? I didn't even bring out of the... They saw something else in the passage that God spoke. God had a word for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? God speaks to you through his word. And there are many ways for you to get God's word into your life. Now here's what happens. It's not always rosy. God's word for you is not always an attaboy. God's word for you is not always sweet nothings. God's word sometimes is harsh. God's word sometimes is very revealing about the inner darkness of our souls and what needs to change. And the reality is, is that, my friends, is prophecy. It is the proclamation of God's truth in your life. And if you don't want to restrain the work of the Holy Spirit in your life... First of all, everybody agree with me? We don't want to restrain the Holy Spirit? Let's raise our hands. We don't want to restrain the Holy Spirit's work in our life, right? Because we know He's been given to us. First thing is, is you don't despise what God's showing you in His Word. Because He's talking to you. He's talking to you about some area of your life that you need to surrender, about some area of your life that you need to deal with, some area of your life that you need to overcome. And when you just decide to ignore it, you're holding it with contempt. 
Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously, think about it for a moment, okay? Think about it sometimes. Let's, you know, you, you need instructions. A lot of times where I'm like, you know, I, I don't know how to face the things I do, so I call up friends. You know what I'm saying? I'll call up and say, hey, you know, hey, I'm going through this. Can you tell me what I need to do here? You, you do that? And some of them, you hold them very dear, who they are, that, that you call, right? And, and, and have you ever done this? Had somebody very dear in your life, somebody that you really respected, maybe even a leader, maybe even your parent, and they told you what you needed to do in that situation. And you decided to not listen to them. I mean, if you've ever done that, I've done that. And you decided to go and do it on your own or do whatever some other dude told you to do. And you just fell on your face. I mean, it just got to be a worse situation because of your lack of doing what you were told. Now, how are you feeling when you go and talk to the one who told you that the one that you respect, the one that you care for, and you and, and they say to you, well, didn't you do what I told you to do? No. Have you noticed that they didn't feel too good about that? Have you noticed they were disappointed? Have you noticed that they were grieved, weren't they? They were quenched, weren't they? Because why? You decided on your own that what they had to say wasn't worth listening to, that what this other person said or what you came up with was better. You held what they were saying with what? Contempt. See, this is what he's talking about. Don't despise God's word for you. Don't hold God's word for you with contempt. Okay, let's listen to me. Listen to me. So some of you here today, right now, God's speaking to you about something. It may not even have anything to do with this topic right here. I can almost guarantee you that's true for some of you. Because that's how the Spirit works. Now, here's the thing. You've got a choice. You say, well, George, everybody's already raised their hand saying, I don't want to, I don't want to quench the spirit of my life. I don't want to restrain his work in my life. You know what the first thing you got to do is? You got to respond to what he's telling you. You got to respond to what he's telling you. You got to hold what he's telling you with respect and do it because he knows better than you. Because when I choose not to do that, listen to me, when I choose not to do that, I'm holding what he's saying to me with contempt. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying I know better. And can we really say that? Can you and I really say, because I do it too, can we really say that we've got it more on the ball than the Holy Spirit? Than God? Seriously. That's the first thing. First thing there. Second instruction, how not to restrain the Holy Spirit in our life. Here's the, here's the, here's the next area. Look at what he says here. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Here, here's what he's saying to us. If we don't want to restrain the Holy Spirit at work in our life, it's not just an issue of not holding God's word for you with contempt. Here's what he's saying. Look at the next point there. And it says, test everything and hold to what is genuine. Test everything and hold to what is genuine. Why, why has he got to do that? Because, look, he knows how we live our lives. Paul understands how you and I live our lives. What do you mean? He's a human being. He understands. The fact of the matter is, is you and I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll be right back here. Then again, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, and, and there might be some differences. Well, like today, it's really cold outside. A month from now, it might be warm. But the, the differences are minor, and, but for most of us, it's mundane, right? Our lives are mundane. It's the same thing every day. Right? And with that, we just kind of go along with the groove. We just go with the flow. And mindlessly go with the flow. So much so 
that we find ourselves doing things that maybe we shouldn't be doing. We find ourselves holding to things that we shouldn't hold to because we haven't thought it through. Because we just go throughout our lives mindlessly reacting to our environments. And here's what he's telling us. You and I need to test everything. You and I need to respond to everything by with the, with the concept of, is this good for me? Is this good for my relationship with you? Is this going to affect my relationship with you, God? Is this going to restrain the Holy Spirit's life, work in my life? We, we need to test everything. Do you understand what I'm saying? Test. Now, I'm not talking about in the morning you get up and you're trying to decide what color socks to put on. Do I test that? No. I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about is that the mindless stuff that we agree to. Test it. Do you really need to stand around and listen to your colleagues telling off-color jokes? Because it's going to affect your life. Do you need to when you're sitting sitting in the car and you're listening to your favorite radio station and, and, and the, the morning show is getting belligerent and off color and, and everything and you know that what's spewing out of their mouth into your vehicle right now is something that you should not be listening to. Do you decide to turn it off? Do you test what's going on there and you're saying, you know what, I don't need to listen to it even though I know that the song is coming up is my favorite one. Do you test what is good? Because the fact of the matter is, if we just go with the flow, we just kind of like, oh, you know, I don't really care for what I'm hearing, but I really want to hear the next song, but yet we allow this stuff to come into our lives. Do we test what is good? And do we hold on to what is good? Do you understand? Test everything. If you don't want to restrain the work of the Spirit in your life, if you don't want to quench Him, another word Paul used is grieve Him, is that you've got to start thinking about what you're doing. What you're allowing into your life. But we don't. Why? Because we're so desensitized now. We just accept everything. We just accept everything. That's the second instruction here. Test everything. Here's the third one. And, and it just comes right out. You want to know how not to restrain the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Look at what he says there. Can't get any plainer than this. Abstain from every form of evil. What's he saying here? Can't get any plainer. Keep away from everything that's evil. Hello? We already knew that. Right? Yeah, but George, we're, we're under grace. George, George, don't you understand Jesus died so that I can have forgiveness? Don't you understand that I'm forgiven now, George? And so, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that, but I could go to him and, and ask for his forgiveness, George. Yeah, I understand that. Jesus forgives, yes. But he also said, stay away from it. He also says, Romans chapter 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Just because you have forgiveness doesn't mean you've got to keep wallowing in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Stop it. If you want to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in your life, to bring you to where you need to be, it's not just a question of not despising God's word for you anymore. It's not just a question of testing everything and holding on to what's good. It goes one step further. Stop doing wrong stuff. Stop the evil. Stay away from it. Did you understand what I'm saying? Keep away from it. 
You know, I mean, it's pretty simple. You know what I'm talking about. Let's say this morning we had somebody in here who's got a cold. He's sitting over in this section. He's sitting over there, and he's hacking away, and he's got just stuff's blowing out of his mouth, and, and, and he's just gross. He's just over there. He's sick, but he feels he's got to be here this morning. I can almost tell what the rest of you would do. Hi, and you'll stay away from him like the plague, right? Because you don't want it, right? Evil's the plague. Evil will destroy your life. It may look good. Now, with that dude, he looks pretty gross. You don't want to be near him, right? But evil doesn't look bad at all. Evil looks good. Look, Evil looks pleasurable. Evil looks like I can have a good time. Stay away from it. It's not worth it. Especially if it's going to restrain the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's what he's saying here. See, here's the thing, guys. You're not going it alone. You have the Holy Spirit coming alongside of you. But we function like he's not with us. Or we act like he's not there. And we involve ourselves in, we do things, we despise the promptings that he gives us, the guidance that he gives us, we hold them with contempt, We don't even test anything. We're just kind of going with the flow. We're kind of like heads full of mush. Whatever happens, happens. And we do what we want to do. And we wonder why God's not working in our lives anymore. We say silly things like this. Why? I want, you know, my relationship with Jesus used to be so much deeper. I don't know why it's not like that anymore. Have you really thought about it? You've been quenching him. You've been restraining him in your life. He wants to do so much more. Because notice now, here's what the blessing is. Here's what God wants to do. Verse 23 is kind of the closing of the letter. Verse 23 and 24 is the closing of the letter. And and he's kind of telling you what God wants to accomplish in your life here. Let's look at it again together. Look at verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who has called you is faithful and who will also do it. Two things I want you to see here. Number one, verse 24, God's saying this. God himself will change you and preserve you for himself. See, don't restrain his work. Because God is the one who's changing you for later. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to spend eternity with him. And and he's wanting to change you so for later, for himself. Don't restrain the work of the Spirit because the work of the Spirit is to change you. God's working in your life to prepare you and preserve you for himself. You need to recognize the blessing of that. He said, what did he say? He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day. He's the one who's beginning the work. He's going to complete it. You need to recognize that. Don't restrain his work in your life. He's the one who's doing it. Here's the second thing he says. God is faithful, and he will do the work in your life. He'll do the work. What do you mean he'll do the work? Well, sometimes he's got to, you know, sort of like, you know, sometimes, you ever had to force something to where it needed to go? You know it needed to be there, and and you got the sledge out to get it in there for sure? Did you know what I'm saying? Because it just wasn't moving on its own, and you had to apply some extra pressure with the sledgehammer? Do you know what I mean? Sometimes God's got to use a sledgehammer on us, doesn't he? Because he knows that we got to head in that direction. 
and become this character that he's developing us, Christ-like character. And sometimes we're just so stubborn, but he's faithful, and he'll do the work. And sometimes he has to let us go through difficult times to get our attention. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.